Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are If you're taking notes, you could go ahead and, and you could write this down. Um, if you're a note taker, which you should be in the house of the Lord. Can I get an amen? All right. So take notes. No better place to take notes than in God's house. School's important. Uh, the church is way more important. All right. So um, for, for notes, uh, if you have that, write this down. Jump in the water. And, and that's kind of what I'm going to share with you today. Jump in the water. And we're having a water day. And I know many of you will not be jumping in. The kids will. Some of you will have no choice but to jump in with some of the kids. I'm probably going to be one of them. But um, to jump in the water is, is kind of the direction I'm going to go. And you'll see exactly what I'm going to be talking about. It's something that God has been tugging at my heart for a while already. Something that I've shared with the leaders. Something I've shared with our church now consecutively um, in the last weeks whenever I've been preaching at our church. And it deals with the presence of God. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. The presence of the Lord. Um, it's something that God has been tugging my heart and convicting me and just burning in me. So I've just been sharing it a lot. And um, I pray that through today's message, there is uh, something that happens inside of you. I, I pray that it really does something to you the way God has been doing it in me um, when it comes to speaking of his presence. You know, when, when, when I say this theme or, or this title to jump in the water and when I talk about God's presence... Um, I don't know if any of you could relate to me, but, but I've seen so many people, so many individuals exchange God's presence for temporary, for temporary present. I've seen that in, in our churches, in our friendships, just in our day-to-day life where, where people exchange God's presence for temporary present. Present highs, present whatever it is that they're feeling, present relationships, present money, present careers. I don't know what it is, but they exchange God's presence for, for things that are eternal. So many have exchanged the eternal for the perishing present. And, and that's kind of the direction I want to go. In. And you're going to hear me say this a lot throughout this service. And you can write this down. And here it is. We live in his presence so that we can better live in the present. And that's what I want to make sure everyone leaves here today. That for us to live a better present, we cannot be absent of God's presence. So that's what I pray burns within you today as we get into this message. Because I recognize that I need God's presence in my life. And I need it each day. How many of you could say amen? I need God's presence each day of my life. You see, we struggle with sin in this house We struggle with temptations. We struggle with our flesh. Am I speaking to anyone? We struggle with all these things, these constant battles with our thoughts that weigh us down, lie to us, even at times defeat us. These are things that everyone in this room struggles with. There's not one person in here that could stand up and say, not me, I don't struggle not with one sin, not with one thought, not with one battle. I'm perfectly fine. There's no way. With all love, we'll look at you and say, we think you're kind of a liar. But we all struggle here. We all know this is not a perfect place. We're not perfect people. But we do stand before the presence of a perfect God. 
And what I want to make sure we get is we get that out of the way. I recognize that I struggle, and I recognize that there are problems. So because of that, I understand the importance of prayer. I understand the importance of prayer throughout the day, worship throughout the day, and being in his word throughout the day. And there are days when I make myself, how many of you are just like me, too busy for God? Just too busy for him, you know, not today. Just too busy for him or just plainly ignore him. And I know how that feels in my soul. Have you ever gone a day outside of God's presence? You get a little bit more mad, you're a little bit more upset, a little bit more easier. Traffic just weighs on you a little bit more. Hmm? The language just shifts a little bit. Your hands flare up a little bit more. The people at your house, they know when you're not in the presence of God. The people you live with, they know. You definitely haven't spent time with God lately. Because, I mean, you're just like, everything is irritating you. Everything is bothering you. Everything upsets you. I mean, I'm sure that all of us can say, I know exactly what you're talking about. And I know how my soul feels. It feels dry. It feels dull. It feels dark when I'm not in the presence of God. And I know that it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's deadly to my walk when I'm absent of God's presence. I know that. And truth is, when we look at the scripture today, we don't have time to speak on every person in the Bible that we could find that once lived in his presence to later walk away from the Lord in his presence. But many have. And my encouragement to this house is, is don't let it be us. Don't let it be you. Lord, never let it be me. That I am absent of your presence. I want to read a passage to you. It's Moses. He's meeting with the Lord in Mount Sinai. If you have your Bibles, it's in Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to read um, right now from the NLT. And it's verses 12 through 23 in the book of Exodus chapter 33. 12 through 23. And really just pay attention to the words that we read today. It says, one day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me to take these people up to the promised land. But you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You've told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, that's good, right? Say, he looks favorably on me. Say that. He looks favorably on me. His grace, another verse says, another translation says, if your grace is upon me, if your grace is really on me, if your favor is really upon me, if this is true, O Lord, look what he says next in verse 13. Let me know your way so I may understand you more fully. If this stuff is true that I'm your favorite, if this stuff is true that your grace is, your grace is on me, then let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully, and that I will continue to enjoy your favor. I mean, what a request this is. What a request to stand before God and tell the Lord, Lord, let me know your way so that I could know you better. I want to know you. I mean, we sang that today. And he then he goes and he says, and remember that this nation, he's leading the children of Israel. He led them out of Egypt. He says, remember that this nation is your very own people. Look at verse 14. And the Lord replied and he says, I will personally go with you. I, I just love that. I will 
personally go with you. Mind you, Moses is like, hey, remember the nation of Israel too. Remember the Hebrew people? We just took them out of captivity, out of Egypt. And God's reply is, hey, I will go personally with you. I, I love that. I, lo- I love the, the detail and I love, the, I love every single word of every single verse because the Lord wanted to make sure that to Moses, he made it personal with him. I know you're talking about the nation of Israel. I know you're talking about my people, Hebrew. But Moses, I'm going to come across and I'm going to stand before your path and I want to speak directly to you. I love that God makes himself personal with us. Personally, I will go with you. Moses, and I will give you rest. The King James Version says it this way. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. I will personally, my presence shall go with thee. And then it goes on. It says, everything will be fine with you. Verse 15 says, then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, if your presence does not go with us, Don't make us leave this place. Verse 16, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. I don't know if you just got that. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference here, and and I don't want to get too carried away because this is just the introduction. But what makes us different, what sets us apart, what really just separates us from the rest of the world and from the rest of those who are here, and even from the rest who say they might be Christians, is the presence of God is upon his people. And the presence upon us sets us apart. Look at verse 17. So the Lord replies to Moses. He says, I will indeed do what you have asked for. I look favorably on you and I know you by name. And then verse 18 says, Moses says, Lord, then show me your glorious presence. The new King James says, then please show me your glory. Verse 19, the Lord replies, and he says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name. Everyone say Yahweh. That's such a fitting word to be in here in the scripture. I will, I will, look what he says here. I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will call out my name Yahweh. That is, that is the proper Hebrew word there used in this context, Yahweh. If you're taking notes, write this down. The word Yahweh means the existing one. The existing one. Notice what God is telling Moses here. He says, and I will go with you, right? And I'm going to pass before you. But look what he says. And I will call out my name, Yahweh. I will call out my name, the existing one. I read this and I get what God is doing here. Moses, you're not going to have to call out your name. And you're not even going to have to stand before a trial and stand before mountains and stand before enemies and wait. And I'm not going to sit here on my throne and wait for you to call on my name. I'm actually going to be so there, so present, so in your face that before you're able to utter a word out of your mouth, I'm going to reveal myself to you and I'm going to call my name the existing one before you are ever able to call it. I love what he's doing to Moses here. Because what he's doing to Moses is he's showing Moses, I'm more present with you before you could even vocalize my voice out in public. Before you even say, Lord, help me, I will call my name upon you. I will tell you when you're going to question me whether I exist. I'm going to remind you, my name is the existing one. 
So when we cry out, Lord, I'm single. Will I ever be married? I'm lonely. The Lord steps into your prayer and looks at you and says what? Oh, I'm the existing one. I'm your Yahweh. When we cry out and say, Lord, my marriage, will you ever restore it? He steps in the middle before you're ever able to cry it out and says, I'm the existing one. And I stand before you, your Yahweh. Whenever we stand and say, Lord, my career, my finances, will you ever be able to do a healing, a miracle? He says, I stand before you and I will be your Yahweh. I'm there. I'm the existing existing one my presence is there before you ever utter it out of your mouth the existing one i'm yahweh and and that's what he's that's what he's making known to moses here i'm yahweh i'm the existing one you're not going to have to even call my name moses i will call out my name just in case you forgot what my name is. When you think that I no longer exist in that issue in your life, say Yahweh, the existing one is there. When you think there is no more hope, say Yahweh, the existing one is there. There's a reason why he, he used the Yahweh word for him to declare that to Moses because there were going to be times in Moses' life, that he was going to say, Lord, are you even with me anymore? Are you even present with your people anymore? Do you even hear my cry anymore? And God just steps into the scene and says, the existing one is here. And you might feel hopeless, and you might feel burdened, and you might feel aching right now. But don't ever take the existing one out of the equation. He is present Yahweh is there. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's keep reading. It says, but you may not look directly at my face. For no one may see me and live. And the Lord continued. He says, stand near me on this rock. And as my glorious presence passes, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Verse 23 says, then I will remove my hand and I will let you see me from behind. But my face should not be seen. I, I look at this passage. And I believe that what led Moses to ask such a bold question. Do you remember the question? Please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. What led Moses to ask such a bold question? I believe it was the desire that was seen in his first request. Does anyone remember the first request? Just in case you didn't catch it, here it is. Let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully. Let's bridge those two things together. Please show me your glory. Let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully. I feel as if Moses knew this right here, church. That if I am in the presence, then I will know his ways and I will then understand him more fully. Moses understood that it was almost impossible for him as a man to be outside of God's presence while trying to really figure out who he is. Moses understood that the way that he would properly and fully understand his ways and understand him more fully is if he actually lived, if he actually dwelled in the presence of the existing one. That if he was absent of the existing one, he was absent of knowing God's ways and understanding him more fully. Does that make sense to anyone here? That when you're not in the presence of God, you don't really see what the will of God is in your life? When you're absent of the existing one in your life, things just don't go the way they were going before? The existing one is to be present, and Moses sees this and knows this. So he makes a bold 
question that is led by a powerful request. Let me know your ways so that I could understand you more fully. That's, that's powerful. Because what Moses was doing right there was he was really, really drawing out private devotion. Have you ever looked at someone and said, man, what's so different about them? They, they live with like this special grace or they live with this special anointing or they live with like this special thing around them, like this presence all around them. I'm going to tell you what it is. It's because of what they do in the secret that you see what you see in the public. It's because they have a private devotion that has effect before others in the public realm. And they're like, I want what they have. You'll never have what they have if you don't know how to get on your knees and on your face in the private of the existing one. And Moses understood this. No wonder when he came down from mountains, his face was shining. Well, we're scared. Put a veil on your face. You see, there was nothing to be scared about if you would have gone with me to the presence of God. But instead, you picked me to be the one that goes into the presence of God. They all should have been shining. The glory of God should have shone on all their faces, but they picked Moses to stand before the presence of God. Why? Why did they pick Moses to stand before the existing one when the existing one, if you read the Bible, always wanted to reveal himself to all of humanity? Think about that. So here is Moses. Please show me your glory. And I get what he's doing here. And I get it in my life that, Lord, in your presence is where I know your way. Lord, in your presence is actually where I find my way. Lord, in your presence is where I understand you more fully. And now I get it. Lord, in your presence is where I understand me more fully. You know how many people are in this world trying to figure themselves out? Some of us are in this room right now. We're in these chairs. And the biggest conflict in your life right now and in your heart is you don't even know what your identity is yet. And you struggle with identity in Christ. And I won't ask you to raise your hand, but you know if that's you today. And you're struggling within you. And here is Moses. And he got the revelation of this. That Lord, if I'm in your presence, I know your way. And in knowing your way, I finally figure out what my way is called to be. Lord, in your presence is where I understand you more fully. And finally, as I understand you more fully, Lord, I find myself more fully. How many of you have recognized who you're truly called to be because the presence of God has revealed it to you? His word and his will has revealed that in your life. Outside of the presence of God, I was a mess. When the presence of God captivated my heart, I started to walk in his purposes and his will and the plans for my life. Why? Because when I understand you more fully, I finally understand who I am. How many of you have stood before this word and recognized if you stand before it, oh my God, who you really are before his word? Anyone in here? When you understand him more fully, you finally understand yourself more fully. And so many people are trying to figure themselves out. The voices that they choose to listen to, some of the voices that people listen to, the people that they choose to lead, forget that, even follow, the things that they do, want to do, or plan to do, what they believe in, or believe about themselves, or don't even believe about themselves. I mean, they're trying to figure themselves out. Who do I follow? Where do I go? Where should I, where should I be part of? Who should I listen to? Who should I not listen to? What should I believe about myself? Should I believe? And you're, and you're just like, you're a mess. And I, why, can I, why can I preach this? Because I'm a mess. 
Because I know exactly what it is to one day be up here and then the next day to be down in the valley. I know what it is to think I'm something great for the next second to realize I'm actually worthless. I get it. I understand it. And I recognize that in those moments, what was missing was the presence of God at my lowest points. And most people's questions and feelings about themselves would be answered if they met the existing one, Yahweh. So as I get into this word, and it will be quick from now on, it's, it's here it is, guys. Because when you are led by his presence, then you could better live in your present. And when his presence is among us, we just read, that is what sets us apart from the rest of the people on this earth. Come on, what sets you apart? Well, I, make, I have this family. I live in this house. No, 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 no. We don't get into that conversation. When you're a child of God, what sets you different is the presence of God over your life. It's not about, it's not about where you live and how you live and how much fa- it's, it's the Is the presence of God alive in you? That's what we care about. Is it alive in you? Is it, is it burning inside of you? His presence is found in our worship, in our prayer, in his word. And we can't live separated from these things and yet expect to live in this presence, in the existing one. Yahweh, the existing one. Here it is, church. Either he exists in our lives or he doesn't. So as I probe and encourage and poke at you, here it is. Does the existing one, does he exist with you? Is his presence alive in us? Only you know that. And I believe that he wants this more than us. God is speaking to the Jewish captives in Babylon in Jeremiah 29, 13. And look what he tells them. And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all of your heart. Very similar to what he tells the Jewish captives in Babylon in Revelation 3.20. Look what he says. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door. I will come to him, dine with him, and he with me. My favorite book is Mere Christianity. And C.S. Lewis says this in Mere Christianity. He says, the son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. And that's what he always wanted. He came on earth. To draw his presence to us so that we could be drawn to him. Watchman Nee says, I must first have the sense of God's possession of me before I can have the sense of his presence with me. Here I am, all of me, Lord. And until I don't surrender before your presence, then I will never be able to live within your presence. Here I am, Lord. I want to speak to you a little bit about Samson and what God showed me through Samson's life. How many of you have ever heard of Samson? Maybe some of you haven't. Samson was a judge over Israel. He was a man of power. He was known of having extreme strength. And just to summarize real quick, we don't have time, but God tells Samson's parents that he would begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. And whenever you read the life of Samson, Samson is actually a very interesting individual. Let's talk about some interesting things. He tore a lion apart with his bare hands as if it were a young goat, the Bible says. That's pretty awesome. I see a cockroach and I run. I can't even step on it. Just the crunching sound under my foot drives me nuts. Samson is ripping lions like they're young goats. I was sharing with my church, my wife, when she has the boxes, she says, rip them and throw them away in the garbage. I don't know if any man in here will be humble enough to admit this, but I struggle with those boxes, man. 
I'm kicking those things in. I'm stepping on them. I'm trying to rip it. I'm like, I can't deal with this. So I just get my knife and I cut it. How many men in here know exactly what I'm talking about? That just boxes are almost impossible for you to rip and throw away. Guys, Samson is ripping young lions like they're goats. I mean, lions like they're young goats. He's an interesting guy. He, he grabbed 300. He caught. Forget grab. The Bible says he caught 300 foxes. I don't even know how you catch one. He catches 300 foxes. He ties them tail by tail in the midst of them. I wouldn't even get next to a fox. He shows me his teeth. I was just joking. I mean, he's tying them tail by tail, and in the, midst of, in the middle of their tails, he's lighting a torch between them. And he sets them loose to burn up the Philistines' vi- vineyards and olive groves and, and, and the grain fields. I mean, that's crazy. Samson is nuts. How about the jawbone of a donkey? He gets a jawbone of a donkey, and he kills not one. A thousand Philistines with it. Like, that's that's unheard of. He was a man in which God's presence, I think we could all agree, which God's presence was definitely upon him. How many of you would agree with that? It was on him, and people knew that God was with Samson. As a matter of fact, in the book of Judges, chapter 13, verse 25, it says that as he grew, as this child grew, the Lord blessed him. And look what it says in verse 25. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon Samson. That's powerful. The presence of God was on him. And we could learn a lot from Samson. He was a Nazarite. We could learn a little bit more about that in Numbers chapter 6. And what the Nazarite vow was about. And God sent word to him and to his parents that there were a few things that he would have to refrain from for the rest of his life. Because how many of you know that to stand before God, there needs to be some discipline in our lives? Not everyone caught that, but whatever. We just can't live freely and say, oh, God loves us and God forgives us. No, it's because God loves us and forgives us so much that we can't believe right before the Lord. So, so here is Samson and, and God had told him there's some things that you need to refrain from. And there are some things that we refrain from as Christians. Amen? And one of the things as him taking on this Nazarite vow was no wine, no alcohol drinking, no, none of that. Nothing that comes from the vine, no grapes, no juices from that. Just stay away from that. You can't eat anything unclean. I love this one. You can't touch anything dead. I'm cool with that. I'm not touching anything dead. (laughs) Can't touch anything dead. Don't even come around things that are dead. Don't even come near a dead body. We know the famous one, right? Samson, you're never to what? You're right, to cut off your hair. Let your locks grow long. The Bible says he had seven locks. I mean, he must have looked so cool. So amazing. Seven locks. Never to cut his hair. But then we continue to read his story. And we recognize that Samson, it didn't all happen when Delilah cut his hair. There were things that were unfolding in his life way before Delilah ever cut his hair. In Judges chapter 14, verse 8 and 9, we know that he had already killed many people. Why are you around dead bodies? You're not even supposed to be around dead bodies, touching dead bodies. But we know that he messed that one up. But in verse 8 it says when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he returned and he turned off the path to look at the carcass of the lion that he recently killed. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. He scooped some honey into his hands. He ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and his mother to eat it. But look what it says next. But he didn't tell them that he had taken the honey from the carcass of a lion. What was he hiding? What was he doing? Because the truth was he was doing this often already. What was happening already in Samson's life? I'll tell you what was happening. His heart was already drifting from what God was calling him to. Way before Delilah cut off his locks. 
In chapter 14, he was celebrating in parties, feasts. There was a lot of drinking. His wife at the time was with him there, laying over him. I mean, people are laid out when they get drunk. So you could take that as you want as you read the life of Samson. But we know how his strength ended. Delilah asked him, Samson, come on, tell me your secret. Samson lies three times, does not tell Delilah what it is. I want you to turn to Judges chapter 16. I'm going to read verses 19 through 22. Tell me if you catch anything here. It says this. As she's enticing him, trying to get the truth from him, finally, Samson tells her, okay, here it is. Never cut my hair. I'm not allowed to cut my hair. I'm a Nazarite. Look at verse 19. She lulled him to the sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. She knew exactly what she was doing. He was laying on her knees. Men like to lay on pillows. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think she was doing. She was giving Samson coquita on his back. Because there's no reason for Samson, this, God, this man, this strong man, to lay on, his, on this lady's knees. So she's just luring him. Oh, baby, you know I love you. Let's talk about life. And she's playing him for a fool. And watch this, what happens here. So she says in verse 20, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and he said, I will go out as before as other times. And I will shake myself free. Guys, I underlined this in my Bible. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. So the Philistines took him, put his eyes out, brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze and fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. And the hair of his head began to grow again. But it was too late. When you read the story of Samson, many teach that he lost his strength when Delilah cut his hair. I believe that was just the last straw. Because I believe that his strength never really came from his hair. Because we read earlier that the spirit of the Lord began to move upon Samson when he was a child growing up. See, I've recognized that the Lord was actually his strength. Samson was making decisions. He was walking down crooked paths. And he was walking in circles in life. Does it remind you of the children of Israel? Does it remind me of me? Does it remind you of you? I want you to notice this. That when Samson stopped being led by God's presence, he began to struggle in his presence. I'm going to share something with you that I want to take. I want you to take this forever. Ready? And this is why I shared the story of Samson. Write this in your notes. Without the connection of his presence, it just doesn't work. It does not work without his presence. And you know how I know that? Because in Acts 19, I was messing with my mother the other day about this, but in Acts 19, there's a group of Jews that are traveling, verse 13. And they're traveling from town to town and they're casting out evil spirits and they tried to use the name of the Lord. And they said, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. The sons of Sceva. But one time, everyone say one time. You know, sometimes in some people's lives, one time is just one time too much. And one time when they tried it, the evil spirit says, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Now is my message. This is where my message starts. It says in verse 16, Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. These were respected, powerful men. And the story of what happened spread so quickly all throughout Ephesus, Jews and Greeks alike, that a solemn fear descended on the city and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. 
I want you to know this, that we relate to God by the presence, not just by the name. Because without the connection of his presence, it just does not work. And I've recognized this in my life. And if you haven't, you're going to learn it the hard way. You could know the name of Jesus. You could quote the name of Jesus. You could preach the name of Jesus. You could sing the name of Jesus. But it's in the presence where the power is found. So if you want to know God and you want God to move, and you want him to move in you and through you, the truth is this. God has never left. Listen, Yahweh is still the existing one today. The one that stopped existing in his presence is us. He did not stop existing. We've walked away from his presence. So here it is, guys. All we need to do then is what? Move right back into his presence. I love that when the scholarly, educated, theologian type figures are shocked by ordinary men in the Bible. Who being in the presence of Jesus was more powerful than all the knowledge they've attained in their seminary studies. Let me explain what I'm talking to you. Acts chapter 4 verse 13. It says that the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Well, when I read this, I get what this is about. These are scholarly, educated theologians of their day. But they're amazed because the disciples had something that they didn't have. They were what? They were making blind people see. They were casting out demons. I haven't read one scripture yet of one Pharisee raising a dead person up. I haven't read one scripture of one Pharisee making a blind man see. Let me tell you why. Because it's not in all the knowledge. It's the power is found in the presence of God in the children of God. So you can know everything about everything. But if you're absent of the presence of God in your life, what good is what you know when you don't know how to activate the presence of God in you? Listen to me. I don't want to know everything you know. I want to know more about who you know. Do you know Christ deep down inside of you? Is his presence alive? That's what we learn here. Paul I know and Jesus I know but who are you you better be careful before the people you stand before and you better be careful for the people you pray before because you better recognize that the spiritual realm recognizes the spiritual realm is Jesus in you does he dwell through you I don't care about what you know I want to know who you know it's about the presence of God and that's what they were talking about here You see, because until you don't recognize the importance of living inside of the presence of God, you'll never figure out how to live a better present. Well, how does things change in my life? Get into the presence. Things are made alive in the presence. How can a miracle happen in this? Get into the presence. You'll see that the presence brings miracles. And that's the truth. And that's what we're seeing here. Seek his presence. You'll find it. Why will you find it? Because he's Yahweh. I will make my name known to you. The existing one. I will make my name known to you. The existing one. Just like he told Moses. My presence shall go with thee. And I will personally go with you. For your presence among us Lord. Sets us apart from everyone else in this world. No wonder the psalmist Understood in Psalm 139 verses 1 through 10. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, 
You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too great for me to understand. Verse 7, I can never escape from your spirit, from your presence. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me where can I go from but from your presence he got it he understood it it doesn't matter where you stand and who are you presented before and what giants and what mountains arise because if the presence of God is made known if Yahweh the existing one is there it doesn't matter what else stands before you whether it's hell whether it's heaven whether it's every high thing or every low thing if the existing one is there then what does he say that it's good enough for me that's exactly what he's saying it's everywhere if if you're there where can I ever go and I'm not telling you that everything you want will be given to you in his presence. But I am telling you that everything that he desires for you will be accomplished in his presence. Man. Get into his presence. And you'll live a better present. What's beautiful about living a better present is what you even call a better present will be redefined by what God calls a better present, not by what you call a better present. Well, this is what I think will be better for me. And God says, but this is what I know will be better for you. Oh, well, I kind of messed up on that one. I'm about to end soon, about five minutes. My favorite passages to read in the Bible are about the throne room or about the New Jerusalem. Those are my favorite passages to read. So I want to read one in Revelation 22 because I want to really go back to the title of my message, Jump in the Water. Can you just say that today? Jump in the water. What does that mean to you today? Lord, I pray that jumping in the water will never mean the same thing to us again as we get ready to end, God. So John is taken up and he's seen all these visions. And listen to this. He says, then the angel showed me, chapter 22, verse 1. He showed me a river. Everyone say, he showed me a river. There's, you see, in rivers, there's, there's living water. There's water that's flowing in rivers. You know that, right? So he shows me a river with the water of life. And, man, man, it was clear as crystal. Guys, listen to verse 1. It says, and it was flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Verse 2 says it flowed down the center of the main street. Guys, we're not talking about anything that is earthly today. We're talking about home today. We're talking about home. Don't, don't mess with this chapter. This is my home. This is my house I'm talking about. Like this is literally my neighborhood. This is actually where I'm going to be at. Not for a day, not for a moment, not for a visitation. This is where I'm going to dwell for eternity. This is home. And the river of life, this water that came from it was clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So this river was coming from the presence of God's throne. 
It flowed down. On each side of the river grew a tree of life. It was bearing 12 crops of fruit with fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Verse 3 says, no longer will there be a curse upon anything. Just stay with me for five more minutes. For the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there. Everyone say, will be there. The existing one exists here. The existing one is here. Yahweh is here. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. I can't wait. I haven't had the bravery to get a tattoo yet. But man, I'm going to have one in eternity. And his name is going to be on my forehead. The existing one. hanging over here in eternity Yahweh's here the existing one can't wait for this tattoo guys I'm joking it's not a tattoo your mindset I believe it's the mindset your mindset is only on the throne of God on the presence of God that's why it's a tattoo on your forehead your mind is all on Christ only Imagine a day when your mind is only on Jesus. The existing one. I'm talking about home here. I'm talking about home here. But I love that when Jesus prays, he says, Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so I understand that that God I could have that tattoo right now on earth as it is in heaven come on put it on my forehead Lord I want to be all about your presence because I know that's what eternity is about so why can't I experience on earth Jesus prayed it he messed it up he prayed it so why can't I experience on earth what is promised in heaven His name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there. Of course there's no night. There's no lamps or no sun because the Lord God is going to shine on them. Come on. His presence will be upon them. You know what's beautiful about when God's presence is upon you? Look at the next part of that verse. And they will reign forever and ever. You can't stop my reign. Well, who do you think you are? You're going to stop the presence of God who's shining on me? No, and you can't stop from me reigning, baby. I reign in the presence of the existing one, Yahweh. I feel the Lord doing something already. Let me tell you something today. Everyone here, we're going to get end right now. Give me a second. Home. Home. Everyone say home. How does that sound? Home. I love that we have a sign out there. We have a sign out there that says, welcome home. I get it. But I'm talking about home. Not even this is our home. 
Not even where you go after this is your home. Miami is not even your home. Florida is not even your state home, your home state. Home is not in the present if you read the scripture. Home is final when it's in his presence. I want you to notice this river. I want you to notice this water that is flowing from it. Come on, guys. It's no ordinary water. It flows with life. Did you catch that? It's a river that has living water in it. It's almost like if I could say that there's something that, that exists in that water. There's something that exists in there, and I get it now. I get it. I get it. I understand what exists in the water. What's alive in the water is the existing one. There is life in the water because the water flows from the one who is life, and his name is Jesus. The existing one flows all throughout eternity. It flows, and everything it touches, it's healing. And everything it touches, it gives life to. I know a life today that people are dying. I know a life today that marriages are being broken. I know a life today that people are being destroyed. But I'm going to tell you today that there is a life that awaits, that flows with the water that comes from the presence of the existing one. And when you touch that water, everything that is dead is made alive again. Everything that is sick is healed because there's something in the water that is alive. And his name is Yahweh, the existing one. He's alive. Existing one is there. The presence of God is trickling. It's trickling. The water flows from its source. And it's given the ability to do what it does. Supernatural occurrences come from the water. It comes out clear as crystal. You want to know why? It's the purest water any eye can see. You want to know why? Because it comes from the purest being that ever was. Yahweh. The, how many of you just need some Yahweh in you right now? I know today, I'm gonna, we're going to do an altar call. And I know that today there are many of you that you know when was the last time the presence of God has existed in your life. When we say one, two, three, go, you better be up on this altar and you better say existing one, existing me again, living me again. I'm not coming out of this altar until the waters that come from Yahweh touch me. It comes from the throne of God and the Lamb. It comes from the source who is pure, powerful, and who is healer. The water causes things to exist because it flows from the throne of the one who is called Yahweh, the existing one. I want this presence. I'm ready to jump in the water. Jump in the water. Jump in the water. In the waters of the existing one. Because there is a river that is flowing. And what is stopping you from jumping in? My church is about to do what your church is doing. We're about to build a house. But ain't no house going to get built until the presence of God. It's filling that house so thick that 
that water flows from his presence. You want people to get healed? You want to cast out demons? Come on, tap into the existing one. Tap into the existing. Yahweh is the existing one. There's a river that is flowing. I love A.W. Tozer's quote. I want the presence of God himself or I don't want anything at all to do with religion. I want all that God has or I don't want any. His presence is here. He is the existing one. I end with this. I'm not even going to read it because I think most of you know the story. There's Adam and then there's Peter. Adam used to live in the presence of God. Remember that? Y'all stand with me as we get ready to close. Adam used to walk with God, live in his presence in the garden. But Genesis shows us that Adam sinned. But when he sinned, he didn't make things right. Instead, he took a different approach on life. When Adam sinned, he feared God and not only did he hide from God, listen to this, he actually started to hide from his presence. Remember that? Why did, why did Adam hide from God's presence? Because I've recognized what stops us from jumping in the water is nothing else but fear of the transformation that happens in that water. And some of us have not jumped in not because we don't believe what's in that water. Not because we don't believe what happens in the presence. Some of us don't jump in because we know exactly what's going to happen in the presence of God. <laughs> oh, Yahweh. So Peter hides and God says, Peter, where are you? I know, I know for a fact God knew where Peter was. God just wanted to make sure that Peter understood where Peter was, uh, where Adam was. God knew where Adam was. Adam, where are you? I don't think Adam recognized where he was. Because Adam, Adam was led by fear. So he began to hide from the presence. Or are you Peter, church? Peter denies Jesus three times. Remember that? Three times he denies him. But instead, he doesn't hide. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. And Simon Peter called the twin Nathaniel, Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, well, we're going to go with you as well. So they went out, and immediately they got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. They probably caught nothing physically. But then when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. And the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Wow. They did not know. So that Jesus said to them, children, have, a, have you have any food? You got any food over there? And they said no. So he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. And you're going to find some food. So they cast, and now they were not even able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Verse 7 says, therefore, that disciple whom, whom Jesus loved, he said to Peter, it is the Lord. Oh my gosh, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. Who's, that's the Lord. 
The Bible says that when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garments and he plunged into the sea. Let me tell you what he did. He saw, he saw Jesus and he said, well, if that's Jesus, then I'm not staying here with you boys. If that's Jesus, then I'm jumping in the water. Because if it takes jumping in to get into his presence, then in is where I go. Look at what it says here. It says, so he plunged into the sea, verse 8, but the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Let me tell you what happened with Peter. The heck with your fish, the heck with your conversations, and the heck with your wooden boat. If that's Jesus, I'm jumping into the water because I long to be back in his presence. Get me in the water. He doesn't stay behind. Come on, paddle faster. Let's get to the presence of Christ. Instead, he looked at them and said, you're not coming? Well, I'm not waiting. I'm jumping into the water so that I could get into the presence. And some of us, the water is here. The existing one is here. Yahweh is present. But will you run? Because there's fear. And will you hide? Because the sin is just too much for you right now. Or will you be like Peter and say, Lord, if that's you, I'm going in. I'm jumping. Whether no one's holding my hand or not, one, two, three, here I go. I jump in the waters. Because the existing one just said, I'm still here. Come to me. With every eye closed, examination of your heart. Come on, there's a home. But that home could be experienced right now. Man, there is a river that flows from the throne of God and the Lamb. There is a water that flows from the existing one. There is a presence that is more alive today for you than you could ever imagine. There are things that are dead that he can make alive today. There are things that are cursed that he could bless again. There are things, man, that he could just heal again. There are things that have been brought down that he could raise up again. I'm telling you today, if you've been absent of the existing one and of the presence of God, what are you waiting for? Run up here and say, pray for me. Lord, fill me with your waters. Yahweh, the existing one, make yourself known and reign over me. I jump in the water today and I don't get, I'm not walking out of here. I'm staying in. I'm, I'm living in these waters. From now on, I got my, my swimming suits on and I got my flippers on and I don't ever want to be a fish outside of the water again. Keep me in the water. Keep me from the rivers that come from the existing one. Keep me from the one that brings all things to life again. Bring it to me, oh Lord. Here are your waters. I jump in. Let what is dead live again. Let what is buried and give life again let the trees that stop producing fruit right now in the presence of God begin to produce fruit again I pray for miracles right now at the way I pray for every soul in this place I pray for revival from the waters that flow from Yahweh come on church if you feel like praying over someone come on you know who you are pray for them you have the authority to pray for people come on begin to cry out Start praying for people and say, Lord, if the rivers flow, where the goodness Holy Spirit burn. There is 
Deeper than fear, the tide is rising. 